0: Absolutely delighted, a massive achievement for Thomas Tuchel and Chelsea FC as they have punched their ticket to the Champions League semifinal, and what awaits them is a dream semifinal clash with Real Madrid. We will preview that upcoming clash between these two massive clubs in this episode, and we'll also preview the upcoming FA Cup semifinal against fellow Champions League semifinalists Manchester City massive, massive matches for a gargantuan club, Chelsea FC. Very excited. We'll also talk to Jenny Chu and talk about all the things going on around this club. It's a very exciting time. Vamos!
1: All
0: right, everybody, let's get into this. We have a jam-packed episode. Lots to get to, lots of fixtures, lots of big trophies on the line. Chris, obviously you heard it in the intro. I'm ecstatic right now. Let's get this thing out of the way. Celebrate Thomas Tuchel. Celebrate these players. Celebrate Chelsea and their staff for making the hard decision. I know. It still pains me to talk about Frank Lampard because he's a club legend. His place in our history is secure. He was a fundamental building block for where we are now and bringing those academy players along. But Thomas Tuchel has taken this team next level and what he has achieved with this club is nothing short of amazing, Chris. Incredible. And we keep talking about the same points Sometimes they're done with different
2: players, but that's kind of the mark of a system working. A coach coming in and laying down foundations from the beginning. And Thomas Tuchel, I think, has had to improvise. It's not necessarily what his identity has been as a coach throughout his career. And yet, you lay down a system where in central midfield, it can change. In the forward line, it can change. In that back three, it can change. Left back has changed. There are so many things that have been rotated, even within Tuchel's time, and Chelsea have an identity. You know what you're getting. You know, or at least you can feel pretty comfortable, except for when you're playing West Bromwich Albion, that you're not going to give away that many chances. You're not going to give away that many goals. You've got some dynamic players up top who can create things. And look, as Tuchel himself said, this wasn't entertaining. Either game was not what you want from a spectacle point of view, but they're effective. And all you want as a fan is to get to mid-April, late April, early May, And have huge games. And it feels like Chelsea, for the remainder of the season, have titan clashes in three competitions. And it's exactly what we want as a fan. You're going to be enjoying every second of football the remainder of the way.
0: I told the audience we got a lot to get to and I promise you we'll get into Chelsea's Champions League performance in this game a little bit with Jenny Chu. We'll talk about Christian Pulisic and in the final segment we will preview the big knockout competitions that we got against Manchester City in the FA Cup and we'll preview the semi-final and the road to a possible final here but I want to celebrate the achievements. Too often we nitpick, even with positive performances, but this has been such an amazing season. It has been too long since Chelsea have been here. When you look at the record books, they've made more Champions League semifinals than any other English Premier League team. That's a league with Manchester United in it. That's a league with Liverpool in it. Now, you could be the naysayer and say, well, where are the trophies? Understandable. But for Chelsea to get back to where they belong is a massive achievement. It has been too long. Transfer bands, managers in and out You don't know what the identity is, man. I did a lot of episodes of Chelsea Mic'd Up where I argued Chelsea's identity was they could be anything because I didn't know what they were. Malleability is what I kept hanging my hat on and Chelsea had a surefire identity. I like that it taps into the successful eras of Chelsea football because it's built from the back and you limit chances. It's hard-nosed. It's surefire tackling. It's disciplined football for this core to totally change the narrative. To be a disciplined team now, one red card from Thiago Silva notwithstanding, we are <laughs> man. We're never going to shake that West Brom game. <laughs> never.
2: Well, last year it was either Southampton or Bournemouth that we kept Ugh. referencing over. I think it was the Southampton Sam- match. You yeah. can- oh, that Southampton match. And I, th- th- this year it's definitely the West Brom match. Yeah,
0: it's a it's a West Brom match. But for these players to be disciplined, you trust them with the ball at their feet. This is a total 180. This is a total 180. The players have to do their jobs too. It's not all on the manager, but the manager has to help. Like there were some mistakes that we were just left mystified, hands on our head, wondering how how could that possibly happen because we just don't see that at the top level of football. Now Chelsea are playing like a top level football team and the mistakes are gone. Amazing credit all around to players that have, I said when we were making our predictions preseason, Chelsea have to suffer. These players within this season alone have done so much suffering and growing. There are players that were out of plans, that all of a sudden are in plans. I can't keep up with the narrative changes when it comes to Christian Pulisic. Now he's looking like Chelsea's most valuable attacking player again. It's incredible. It was not but two weeks ago where every Chelsea fan on Twitter was throwing their hands up in the air, saying, again, with this hamstring injury, being pulled off at halftime, here we go again, we can't trust this player. And now... You're salting games away with Christian Pulisic. And Timo Werner, a massive signing, is now in a fight for playing time against the American, which as an American, that's super cool to see Christian being talked about in that same breath and being held right now in direct comparison as a more effective option. A crazy narrative flip here in just the last couple of weeks for the American Chris Whittingham. It's
2: been insane, right? Like how difficult it is. And it's ultimately why... You can never really lock into, well, this is bad or this is good. It's constantly evolving. And we'll talk about later the idea of maybe rotating Christian Pulisic in this FA Cup, so he finally gets Manchester City. But you kind of want to see him keep on rolling because if he doesn't play and Timo Werner comes in and has a good game, he can very easily win that spot back. And that's what playing at high-level club football is. And I'm more of a U.S. men's national team fan than I'm a Chelsea fan, being that I am the neutral observer. So, like, from my standpoint... It is exactly what you want from American players to go abroad, to have to challenge for their positions at big clubs, and every week you have to hang on to that position in fighting to be one of the best players in the world, and Christian Pulisic is embodying that right now. He is working his ass off to try and be one of the best players in the world right now, and when you get fouled 11 times in a Champions League game, which no player has done since Lionel Messi a decade ago, like... That's the mark of a player who can boss a game,
0: who is in control. Didn't he get fouled 12 times and they played the advantage once? I'm just saying. I caught I I it 12. I, that's right. That, better than Messi. <laughs> better than Messi if I'm giving him the 12. Uh, every single player in the starting 11, Chris, has had questions asked of them this season. These players have had to answer difficult questions this season. Each of these players have had to look at themselves in the mirror and face adversity and ask questions of themselves. Do I have it in me to overcome this? Go through the line. I dare you. Havertz, Mounts, Pulisic, Conte, Chilwell, Reese james Every single player. Thiago Silva, can you do it at your age? Edward Mendy, you could do it in France. Can you do it over here? Are you better than the world's richest keeper? Every si- Aspili Guetta, trying to push you out the door. Every single player. Rudiger! Rudiger! I mean, Rudiger being a massive player for this team, every single player has had segments of Chelsea Twitter drag their names through the mud because fans were frustrated with the performance and looking for places to place blame. And sometimes that blame was rightful. Okay, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Some of these players weren't playing up to snuff at points in a season. But that's what separates them from us because they have (laughs) it within them. They have the guts to turn things around. And now look at them. In the Champions League semifinals, when no one, no one could have predicted that when things were looking at their bleakest in January. Credit to them, credit to the manager, credit to the club for making tough decisions. Amazing run from Chelsea FC. And the decisive goal in this
2: tie against Porto was scored by Ben Chilwell. And I think he's someone who perfectly embodies what you're saying. Was kind of going perfectly under Frank Lampard, was the number one for Chelsea, was the number one for England unquestionably. And in a couple of months, Luke Shaw emerges in Manchester United and they change system and manager and things have kind of gone differently for Ben Chilwell than they started where it's almost like he's playing too much. He needs a rest. To now is he the number one left back for this Chelsea side and playing in a different position? And I always thought he was going to get there and adjust to it, but he has. And now he played brilliantly against Crystal Palace at the weekend, and we'll get to that match later on. And in this tie against Porto was immensely valuable and got you the decisive goal. So he's another player who has never experienced anything like this. He came through at Leicester and basically straight away was the unquestioned left back there. He's now taking a step up in terms of club and in terms of what the pressure is. And now he's rising above it and is playing incredibly well.
0: Look, I'll wear it. We're contributing factors here. We have to be reactionary, game to game, sometimes multiple episodes within a week. And we're trying to figure out, where's the cohesion here? What is this lineup? Marcus Alonso, really? Thomas Tuchel has a long view plan. Competition was his plan. Competition all along. No, competition... Breeds better performances and you're seeing players respond. You're seeing some players not respond just yet, but give them time. I think they before we have to afford Thomas Sucal that kind of credit and these players that kind of credit because everybody has shown a resiliency. And now this is the kind of stuff that you'll look back on and you'll see the answer was there all along, and hopefully it's a part of a, a Champions League final DVD. <laughs> there was gonna be DVDs in my mind,
2: just always. <laughs> What 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 is the evolution of that? Because the commemorative DVD was like a big part of memory. I think it's a TikTok.
0: I think <laughs> I think it's a think twelve it's, second TikTok.
2: I, yeah, it might be like a like a Prime Video thing that you have on your account all the time. Do they do
0: they sell those oh on man, Amazon Prime? Indi- individual team yearbooks, like they did in the NFL. Let's please bring that to some sort of streaming service. I would love to just watch <laughs> the two thousand and nine Chelsea season uh, yearbook. Oh, that'd be incredible. It'd be like the two thousand three Florida Marlins CBD that is still oh, in my PS two. I wore that I thing wore out. wore that thing out, Yeah, <laughs> for me it was uh,
2: it was in the SUV that my parents drove. We had like the DVD player in the car. I wore, I must
0: have watched that a hundred times in the car. Yeah, look, oh, we're about to come back on Napoli. I would love it. It just oh. <laughs> it's just perpetually on on, on <laughs> my streaming service. Let's get on that. Let's can we do that? Yeah. Metal Ark Media, somebody get on that. Acquire the right yeah. to annual yearbook. Fist yearbooks. and app. Yeah. <laughs> Fist and app. Oh my gosh! If Fist and app had annual yearbooks, there's some oh. years that I would skip. The the second go around with Mourinho, that final year, I'd probably skip that one uh but yeah absolutely all right let's get back to celebrating these players though real quick before we get to Jenny Chu who is a massive friend of our show and a great part of Paramount Plus's coverage here we'll do the look ahead to the next round i think it's important that we accentuate the positive because week in week out it hasn't been easy uh creating content for this club it's a roller coaster it's Look, there are t- am I envious to the people that do Man City mic'd up? Absolutely. <laughs> they, they've had, they've had a, a hell of a run with this thing, and it's just joy, uh, joyous episode after joyous episode. But I do think that we have to hit pause on everything. And Wherever this ride takes us, because you and I were doing it off air, we are looking at the, this stretch of games. While they're all impactful, when you take into account how far they're advancing in these cup competitions, the fixtures are stacking up. These are This is a very difficult road for Chelsea to finish top four. in the the Premier League. They may have to win the Champions League to advance into the next European competition, which reminds me of one year that they had to do exactly that, (laughs) 2012. We'll get into that kind of conversation and trying to see if uh, there are more similarities here in another Cinderella-like run for Chelsea in the world's greatest cup competition uh, the Champions League amazing run from Chelsea and no matter where this thing goes we should celebrate the fact that we are here because you're in a glamour semi-final a stage away from an improbable final after losing Eden Hazard and after the transfer ban and dealing with the mistakes along the back line you're, you're here this ragtag group of misfits. When you t- when you when you take the season <laughs> as a whole, I go that far. <laughs> no, well, I mean they're world class players, but it's true. Every single yeah. one of the players that contributed to that um, it was a one nil defeat. I guess we should cover that. A spectacular goal. It was a it was a defeat, yet it felt like a win because Chelsea did what they had to do.
2: Yeah, it was a great it was a great line in the Guardian, which was that goal felt more like the punchline than any kind of uh, consequential action in the game. Yeah
0: dude's got a highlight for ages congratulations yep. on that although you, you you took the the weird stance that he shinned it uh, uh
2: he did he shinned it i mean there's <laughs> just no way to just, there's no way to just uh avoid that if he, if he catches it with his toe it's one of the greatest overhead kicks of all time
0: well we'll get into maybe there was a seed there of doubt and chelsea are gonna have the odds stacked against i and going up against world-class players here from here on out and players are certainly more capable of producing moments like that so Some things that you have to button up. We'll get into all that with Jenny Chu. But please, folks, if you you can hear me, take a minute and say, this is awesome because we're back. We're back. We're back for now. Impactful games. And every game the rest of the season
2: is massive, Massive, right? Champions League semifinal, FA Cup semifinal. In the Premier League, yeah, you can say Chelsea home against Brighton. Maybe not a glamour fixture. But in the context of this season where the top four is separated by so little, Every set of three points is monumental. And so Chelsea have... An incredible run-in where they have several London derbies to play including against West Ham which will be one of the games of the season against Arsenal then you're 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 playing Fulham as well your your crosstown rival if you will uh and then you're playing Leicester still in the Premier League so every game is huge it's fun it's what every football supporter wants and particularly now in an era of lockdown where you're not going and and watching with your friends at the pub at the very least you're enjoying dramatic entertaining games
0: what did Chelsea lose on aggregate to Bayern Munich last year in the Champions League? What was, what was that final tally? Because I've done my best to erase that, that tie from my mind. But if I told you at that moment where we're playing out a second leg that none of us actually wanted to play out because we <laughs> had no shot. If I said a, a few months later, because it wasn't a year, a full year because of the pandemic. If I said, Chelsea, we're going to make up this aggregate difference on Bayern Munich. What was it? 7-1. 7-1. They were six goals better. And quite honestly, they left stuff on the table. They were, <laughs> that, that was a drubbing. And now, less than a year later, Chelsea find themselves in the semifinals, and Bayern Munich are not. You advance yeah. further in this competition than head and shoulders, the best team in the world last season. So, incredible achievement, boys. <clears throat> incredible job by the manager. We'll talk to Jenny Chu coming up next. Introducing Perfect Play, the most advanced football training app available. Developed with and used by the Chelsea FC Academy. Built with innovative player tracking technology. Featuring masterclasses from some of football's biggest stars. Offering world-class, personalised football coaching. So train with the best and become the player you want to be. Start training for free. Download on the App Store now. Well, Chris Whittingham, we've been celebrating Chelsea's Champions League success, so why don't we bring in a Champions League correspondent, Jenny Chu, part of the Blue Nation. Welcome aboard, Jenny. What is this? Like the fifth time Jenny's been on our podcast. I always enjoy having Jenny Chu on. Jenny, welcome aboard, Chelsea mic Up. I think we owe you five caps.
1: Did <laughs> you know uh, I learned on my trip to Chelsea that they're actually caps? That was the first time I saw and realized they're real caps.
0: Oh, you went to the museum? You went to the yes. museum? Oh man, there's some boomer Chelsea fans out there that are going to be super mad at me. I got to find the name of the super fat goalkeeper. He's like 350
1: pounds. And <laughs> yeah, 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 the statue
0: of him. Yeah. Oh my god, how great is that statue? Huge. That is. Uh, that is actually what I look like on my beer league games on Sunday. it's just a spinning <laughs> image. I thought. I thought this is how classy Chelsea is of a football club. I thought they had made a statue of me for my arrival. But it just so happened to be another 350 pound goalkeeper. William Folk is his name, by the way. I believe William Folk might have been the first captain in Chelsea's history. Wow! How
1: how heavy do you think Shaq is? Is
0: Shaq 300 pounds? Yeah, at, at, at is Shack? I think you're least. being kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that
1: probably an equivalent of having Shaq in a goal? He wasn't
0: that tall. This was. I think he might have been <laughs> you know, 350 I, pounds and six foot four.
2: The internet says he was six foot nine. So he's probably like an NBA power forward. Okay. Maybe a bit like Zion, if you were to compare him to a modern-day reference.
0: It's exactly where I thought this would go, 350-pound <laughs> goalkeepers. Sorry, I uh, was
1: just making a comment about the caps. That was yeah, mind, mind-blowing no, for
0: me. Well, you, I, you, I'm to blame, Jenny. Don't apologize. I'm to blame because, yes, I believe in that statue. The goalkeeper is also wearing a cap. But, yeah, they actually gave caps, and that's where we got that lingo from. I always thought that it was like some quirky English thing. But no, it's like this is the one instance where something actually means what it says. Jenny, Chelsea are in the Champions League semifinals elation across uh, the supporters' How could you not be absolutely thrilled? Not just year to year, because I think there's a mighty big step just year over year. But then when you actually go into the details of what happened to Chelsea this season, departing from the Frank Lampard era, Thomas Tuchel coming in and only now having two losses because that Porto matches a loss, his second loss as Chelsea manager. But I think uh, according to plan, that game went outside of one spectacular goal. If you can put into context just how improbable of a run this has been, Chelsea S. E.
1: yeah I was expecting you to come on singing I was really expecting some some listen to the intro
0: you'll listen to the intro when this drops
1: I miss the excitement part okay no it's a huge deal because we had a bad run of form Thomas Tuchel comes in questions are surrounding the team and then we go on this amazing run we're what FA Cup coming up this weekend as well like there's so much going for us right now and a lot of people didn't even have us in the conversation but I will say We always did. We've always had Chelsea in the conversation. So we deserve some props for that. Chris, I know that you also have always had us in, even though you're the quote-unquote neutral observer. So... (laughs) <laughs> um, props
0: to us. Woody, you always had Chelsea in the semifinals because I know one of Jenny's colleagues, who we should probably bring back on here towards the end of the season, Luis Miguel de Chigaray, absolutely called Chelsea, and this was even pre-Tuchel. While they were struggling in the Premier League with Frank Lampard, he said Chelsea's makeup, having such a continental group of players, actually would play out well for Chelsea in this competition. Now, maybe a sweetheart draw? I do find it funny, Chris and Jenny, that... The banter has started up. Chelsea now have made more Champions League semifinals than any other English Premier League side, which is incredible when you think about it. It was also slightly disappointing, and we won't get into 2009's controversial um, (laughs) leg against Barcelona (laughs) because I need to get on with my day. But this is an incredible achievement. Any way you slice it, no one really had this. And if we change the order on Porto Atleti, which is where I was getting that with the banter, I I don't think you'd be getting that banter. Everyone's like, oh, you got an easy draw. They also got the toughest draw in the previous round. If we just simply change the order, no one is talking bad. Agreed. And, you know, Porto, the tie was kind of
2: perfunctory in the end. Like, Porto didn't really give that much, but Atletico was kind of the same way. And so you can't really talk about the draw when it comes to how Chelsea have arrived at this point now when the draw came in against Atletico Jenny kind of mentioned my my level of confidence like I just think when you're going against defensive sides you're going to have a chance and the thing that's changed for Chelsea is that they're now one of those defensive sides but also with a bit more bite going forward and they like to keep the ball as well incredible strength at the back I would say in the four combined games that they played in the knockout stage they've been under threat for like 15 minutes out of a possible 360. And that is ultimately the backbone to how they've arrived at this point is this defensive strength and this ability to not even give away chances that – Ultimately, when you talk about the formula to arrive at this point, under Lampard, it would have been, as Luis Miguel mentioned, those continental players and that attacking ability, but now it's become this defensive resistance and this solidity under Thomas Tuchel that not only has them in the semifinal, but with a legitimate shot of getting to the Champions League final, which, given the struggles in the Premier League, is just so improbable.
1: I will say, Mike, I have Chelsea winning now. I had to do brackets for CBS's coverage And I picked Bayern. Now Bayern is out, and they've asked, okay, so now if you could redo your brackets. I'm like, okay, Chelsea, we're winning it now. We're winning it now.
0: Well, let's say there, because that was a great tie between PSG and Bayern. And I know you were doing work for Paramount Plus on that game, and you do really cool stuff on Twitch, a really good social media team that they got over there. The Bayern PSG, like, I thought was was fascinating. There was, we ran the gamut of, of goalkeeper emotions there. Kaylor Navas, I know you got CONCACAF roots here. Kaylor Navas isn't talked about the way that he should be in terms of one of the generation's greatest goalkeepers. For my money, I thought that that was an eliminator round for me, Whitty and Jenny. Neuer versus Navas, these are the two absolute best of their time. Navas doesn't get that credit and he should because when he was on the international stage, he made a Cinderella run with a Costa Rican team that wasn't very good. That Brian Ruiz was probably their second best player on that team. Kaylor Navas, I mean, the guy's just incredible.
1: I agree. Yesterday on the coverage, the other analyst was talking about it and he was like, yeah, you know, Kaylor Navas isn't that impressive. I wouldn't put him in my top five or whatever. And I wasn't going to argue. I was just in my head, I was thinking, okay, I I would. I mean,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he's ever, he's never been eliminated in a Champions League two-legged competition that he's been in. I don't think he's ever been eliminated. He's got one of these Sergio Ramos-like runs. And you look at his
2: career record, I think the reason why he is underrated is because he didn't really get started in earnest as a top-level player until like six years ago when he was 28 years old. So he's a late bloomer, but in this tie, when Manuel Neuer is making incredible saves... Kaylor Navas is going toe-to-toe and keeping PSG in it. They would not have been in position. They might have been like 4-3 down in this second leg if not for how well Kaylor Navas played in the first game between these two teams. So in my view, he absolutely deserves way more credit than he's getting for helping lead PSG on this run. And in some ways, Kaylor Navas was like the fallback option for PSG in terms of goalkeeper. They always wanted to bring through other players and younger players, namely Alphonse Areola, who's now the Fulham keeper. But Kaylor Navas has now taken on that mantle. He's been brilliant.
0: Well, Jenny, let's pivot to the Chelsea goalkeeper because Because uh, right now, Edward Mendy, who saw that spectacular goal going net, and he deserved better, quite honestly... When they put out the team of the tournament, Edward Mendy is probably going to be that goalkeeper. When you put up his stats, he holds up quite well. What can you tell us that hasn't already been said about this phenomenal signing that Chelsea had that really turned their season around?
1: No, he's made such a huge difference for, for Chelsea and that confidence. I know we talked a lot from that transition between Kepa and Edward Mendy. I highly rate him, and I did say that within the next five years, he's going to be one of the top goalkeepers. And it'll be in everybody's conversation, not just Chelsea fans, acknowledging how good he is. But that leads me to my question for you guys. You know more than I do.
0: That's not true, but okay. I mean, who has ever said that? <laughs> <laughs> I know more about like I know more about chip dip. I'll, I'll put my my, acu- <laughs> my chip dip acumen up against anybody else. In. So, what, are you talking about soccer? Yes. No, 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 no. We don't. Not but I, that? Uh, yeah, we'll see we'll the floor to your question. But I will not entertain the fact that we know more than you. No, I'm I'm a lunkhead.
1: Okay, before this game, you guys are incredible. But okay, before this game, I was so confused as to why many that I mean wasn't starting this game. He is their second leading goal scorer for Porto. I think he's incredible. What happened? Chris, Mike, why did he not start the game? And then he comes in, he scores that incredible goal on Edward Mendy. That should be the goal of the tournament.
2: Yeah, it has to be a fitness thing. I mean, that's the only explanation. Because otherwise, it's just an extremely conservative approach. It's consecutive second legs now for Chelsea, where they have a second leg advantage against Atletico and a second leg advantage against Porto. And you're watching the opponent going, do they know that they have to score two goals here? Because it doesn't seem like they do. And so for Porto, it was completely inexplicable that he wasn't playing from the start. Even if there is a a fitness doubt, it's not like they have concerns about the league. It's not like really, I mean, this is a house money game. You've gotten to the quarterfinal when no one expected Porto to get to this point. Just go for it, man. If you lose 5-0, you lose 5-0. But it was inexplicable, the conservative approach. How? When you need two goals just to force extra time. Do you not have a shot on target in 45
0: minutes? It was beyond me. But, Woody, we've been at this trying to break down these games under Thomas Tuchel since January. And we've, it might be unfair to Chelsea that we keep asking, wow, this team can't create anything, as opposed to Chelsea is refusing these teams any opportunity outside of West Brom. And you can explain that away with the the red card that was puzzling. I'm really fixated on this West Brom result. What a puzzling (laughs) one, but Chelsea are just limiting the opportunities over the last two years prior to Mendy and Thomas Tuchel, you couldn't survive the three devastating mistakes that you would make. Their marking would lapse. Someone would make a mistake with the ball at their feet. These mistakes aren't happening anymore. You're not giving teams chances. And when you don't give teams chances, they can't capitalize on them unless they make an all-world goal over there. Now, we're getting into a stage and we got an opponent here that can capitalize on any chance that you give them. So I do think there were a couple of red flags in the tie against Porto. Now it's soccer. You're going to be able to survive that, but you're going to need a little bit of luck. And you're running into teams now, both in the semifinal stage and hopefully in the final stage, that you better not give them daylight. I mean, I think Neymar blew all his chances in that tie against Bayern Munich. He's going to start ascending to the mean, (laughs) Chris. I know this is a bugaboo for Jenny, so I'll let let Jenny get to
2: Neymar here in a second. But you're absolutely right, and that perhaps is unfair of me to not give Chelsea more credit for the chances to give away because, as you said, if you're not making mistakes... And you have a goalkeeper, five defenders, and N'Golo Conte on the pitch, you're not gonna give away that much. And and Conte was brilliant again in the second leg against Porto. Do
1: you want me to talk Neymar?
2: Uh, yeah, go we on. Don't, we don't
1: need to talk Neymar. <laughs> Neymar needed to finish his chances and <laughs> Neymar lovers around the world, just like Cristiano Ronaldo lovers, will come at anybody that has an argument against their player, even if it's true. Like you anybody that has eyes was watching that game could see that, but because I said it, people are gonna attack me for it. It's like he needed to finish it. Like it's not like I said anything controversial.
0: Oh, oh, Jenny! We didn't meet before. The, ah, can you join my Neymar hating group chat right now? <laughs> I
1: never said I hate him. I never. No, said I hate
0: I'm not. No, 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 I'm not hating on. I I just throw shade. Look, Neymar did create chances, and uh, I thought the best bit of analysis. I forget the analysis that made the point was something happens when the ball is at Neymar's feet, but all too often, not the thing that he intends to happen happens. And I think we hold up that performance and. Was he dazzling with the ball at his feet? Yes, but the, there wasn't the finish. So, like, he was really excellent at almost being excellent. The finishes weren't there. And PSG, when you look at it, probably should have done better. They were lucky to survive. They got a hell of a break against Bayern with no Lewandowski. That is major player for them. That's a player that capitalizes on every chance. And Neymar with the theatrics, it's another reason why I checked out on Porto. Maybe that player didn't end up featuring in the starting 11, not because of fitness, maybe just because he doesn't have a degree from Juilliard, considering how Porto tried to finish <laughs> that game and led to a very interesting interaction between Porto's manager and Chelsea's manager, in which Thomas Tuchel, if you read lips, didn't have anything nice to say. And he was efficient with his interaction,
2: <laughs> but yeah, uh, Mike yesterday in our group chat very tepidly goes, "I'm going to say it. I think Neymar is overrated." I said uh, it.
0: <laughs> he's, he's, he's overrated because if you look at the social media account, he is the gulf between Neymar and number four on the planet. It's Messi, Ronaldo, and Neymar in terms of social media metrics. It's not even close. Yet yeah, no one, I think, would put him three. Although some people in Paramount Plus might. He's not the best player on his team. Mbappe is a best player on his team. And I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. He doesn't get the best work rate for me. Game in, game out. Jamie made the point that top players go into the, the French League, you always have a question about them. And I, I question his work ethic. And if he's not going to actually put those chances in the back of the net, then why are we having this conversation? Because Mbappe is. Like, you want to talk about Neymar after that game? I'm going to talk about Mbappe still.
1: No, I think you're right. So right after the game, or during the game, I hit up Chris. And I was like, hey... You're the numbers guy. Like, Neymar's missing so much. I need to make a comparison about the conversion rate because I, I hop onto a show last few minutes of the matches. So I'm like, I can't do it because I'm currently on Twitch. And Chris, please help me. And he gave me some stats, and it's just, it doesn't, what is it, 18% goal yeah. conversion on the shots he yeah, yeah. takes?
2: Yeah, so this season, it's 80, 18% from the shots that, that he takes are goals. And Jenny asked me to compare it to Erling Haaland, who's somewhere around 31%. So th- th- there is a difference in clinicality there. I would also say there's a difference in clinicality from... I would say the best goal that was scored... It might be the overhead kick from Porto, though. The guy shinned it. The the goal, <laughs> the goal offside goal that didn't count from Kylian Mbappe is one of the most Oof. impressive goals I've ever seen. But hey, well, just- that
1: brings me to another topic, though. Okay, I want to go know your guys' opinion because I brought this up on my show yesterday and they completely disagreed with me. Mbappe is too fast to need to ride the line so closely and risk being called offsides. Mm. He can get to the ball without risking that line.
0: There is a comp here on Chelsea. Timo Werner has great speed, best speed on Chelsea, one would say, and he is often caught cheating. And that's part of it, too. They look a lot faster because they get their timing down. I think you'll actually see a lot of growth and development in Timo's game if he sticks around with this team and teammates learn his timing. We've been a little slow with delivery, but you're right. But Mbappe and Timo Werner, they seem so much faster because they have expert timing. Now, occasionally you're going to get caught cheating, but I'm I'm, kind of with you. Mbappe's got such a blazing speed and Timo, I think you're trying to do a little too much. Let's play it a little safer, especially in, in the VAR age where a pinky can get offside. That's actually fortified. Remember, when these players were on the training grounds developing as players, VAR wasn't a thing. I imagine now it, Premier League academies are probably teaching them to be extra cautious. So we may not see that blazing breakaway speed anymore, Woody. I didn't even consider that. I, I didn't even consider
2: that like in the VAR age, you've got to kind of approach making your runs differently because if you don't time it to literal absolute perfection then you're going to get called for offside with the way that they do the triangulation GPS of where you are on the pitch. I'm kind of curious, since we're talking about Timo Werner, obviously it seems as though Christian Pulisic has taken his role uh, in the team, at least in these big matches. Do you think ahead of the FA Cup that it's an opportunity? Now, I'm not going to say that it's not an important game because it's an FA Cup semifinal. And as you say, Mike, if you're in the competition, you might as well win the damn thing. But... Given, you know, Mateo Kovacic is out injured and Golo Kante is still returning from injury. You've got, you know, Timo Werner, who's a bit out of form. Christian Pulisic got kicked 11 times in the match (laughs) against Porto. Is there an opportunity for rotation here?
1: I would play him. He's on fire right now. Uh, You let him have continuance. I'm saying that word in Spanish in my head, and it makes sense. It's not a word in English, I don't think. Continuity. 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 Thank you, Chris. The numbers, the English <laughs> appreciate you <laughs> uh, continuity. Let him continue to build that confidence. and I think that's a more important game. like I, I don't know. I, I know everyone has a different opinion on it, but I think you got to let him play. He's gaining that and don't let don't break his form.
0: There are a lot of differing opinions on this, even within this zoom. I'm always cautiously optimistic with Christian Pulisic. however, I am inclined to listen to Jenny's take right now because every time I'm like, we're playing him too much. I don't want him playing in internationals. It seems as though playing international duty, Chris, and Jenny was very good for Christian Pulisic because he hit the ground absolutely running. He is reminding everybody. The goal-scoring production isn't quite there just yet as it was during Project Restart last year, but Christian Pulisic might start getting the reputation as a latter-stage player in the season, and if you manage him in the earlier parts of the season, granted... Some of that was taken out of Chelsea's hands because he was flatly injured. But I can't help but have flashbacks to that run in the FA Cup final against Arsenal. Now, granted, that was the last game on your calendar. If you're going to go all out and blow a tire, you do it in the last game. But I'm always worried when it comes to this dude's lower lower body. And I would like to get him some off time because the fixtures, now that you're advancing in this competition with midweek fixtures, Chris, they're going to start stacking up even more than they already have.
2: You mentioned if it's the last game of the year, that's okay. But at the same time... I really want to see, if you're talking about him as a late season player, I want to see him get to the start of of next season fit, because if he can hit the ground running, playing how he is now, and get that run of games, first off, we should say next year is going to be impossibly difficult, particularly for CONCACAF players going for three international breaks that have three games in them each, and they're World Cup qualifiers, so they're important matches, but we're not that far from the finish line, so I do think there's got to be a little bit of minutes management here, particularly with the bevy of attacking players that aren't playing right now. I mean, we're not even talking about players like Tammy Abraham, who sometimes doesn't even make the bench in the Premier League. You have Giroud, who's only coming on for kind of late game cameos. You have Hakim Ziyech, who hasn't played a ton lately. Timo Werner hasn't played a ton uh, since coming back from the March international break. So with the number of attacking players that you have... I do want to see a little bit of Christian Pulisic maintenance, even though the last two matches that he's played, and I, I, we should say the last three even, because he was pretty good in the in the first Porto match coming off the bench, have been his best matches of the season. So you want to see that start to build.
1: Okay, I want to pick your guys' brain. Obviously, that USA versus Northern Ireland match on the 28th really built Pulisic's confidence. And he looks good when he's with the national team. He looks like he's enjoying his teammates. And I don't remember exactly who I spoke to. I think it was Gio Reyna's mom who was telling me that Gio is so much happier with the U.S. national team just because of the language, just because of they talk about the same things, football, basketball, like things that are Americanized, quote unquote. Okay, just feeling more at home. Is that exactly what it is? Or is there more to the fact that he gets on a good run after being with the national team?
0: Well, this was the first time that I'd seen him perform at the national team level in quite some time. And my position on it has pivoted. Granted, he came out of it playing well, so I'm certainly playing the result a little bit. But I've always been so worried about his injury that I that I didn't see the good in it, Jenny. And this was great for him because... You're right. and Look, it's hard to get, as someone that's interviewed Christian Pulisic probably more than anybody on the planet, it's hard to get him to light up about anything. But he lights up when he talks about the national team. He's a fairly intense individual. But the national team seems like, okay, they get that one for free. I'm here. I'm a professional. I'm doing my job for Chelsea. But he's not the leader at Chelsea just yet that he is on the international level because all these teammates are – younger than he is and he helped break the door down for them to big clubs and break down a lot of the stigmas he embraces being their number 10 he embraces being their captain it's a different Christian Pulisic and he takes that intensity he's a more intense player because on the club level he's not the type of player that will take the ball and say oh I'm taking this PK you like seeing that killer instinct him flash that and he kept that mentality it seems right now so it's been very good for him it's maybe good for him to be around contemporaries and people that have that American tie to him and it plugs into that leadership and makes him a different animal because when he's cooking, we see that intensity jump up. That's when you get the LFGs uh, (laughs) at Anfield. I'm telling you, he needs to see the ball go in the back of the net and he needs to start having success, it fuels his intensity. And when he's a more intense player,
2: I think he's a better player, guys. I think the ultimate insight into how much he likes playing with the national team is when he was hurt in November and still went to the national team anyway. I think there's like a small amount of lockdown playing in here, which is that you're lonely, man. Like you're, like, you're not around friends all the time. You're not meeting up with people who, you know, kind of lift your spirits. So I think there's a bit of that in play. But from a footballing standpoint, one of the things that Christian does with the national team that he doesn't do as much of when he's kind of struggling at Chelsea is, I would describe it as a difference between being a player in the team and the player in the team. And so when he goes with the U.S., a lot of the attack goes through him. He is the strong, dominant figure. He's captained the side on occasions. And so I think when, when he kind of floats away for Chelsea, is when he's just kind of one of 11 players on the field. Whereas to me, I know we don't like the fact that he was fouled 11 times against Porto. But it shows how much he was relied upon to be the guy who killed the game at the end, who was taking fouls, and was unplayable for the opposition. Like, in some ways, being fouled 11 times almost like a badge of honor. Like, Porto can do nothing with you, so all they could do is pull you down to the ground, kick you, and take yellow cards. And that, for me, was kind of like a, he's taking control of this situation and dominating it in a way that he wasn't earlier
0: on in the season. Jenny, they were using him as their closer. Porto simply did not have an answer. For Christian Pulisic's speed and those turns, they could only drag him down and take a foul or take a card, and all of that was just salting the game away. It was like prime Eden Hazard, quite honestly, just run to the corner flag and I dare you to dispossess this player. Eden did it a little bit differently because he did it with speed and power. They just had no answers for Christian Pulisic, and Chelsea kind of collectively made the decision. We're going to that guy every time. And that is a massive step in the progression of Christian Pulisic's Chelsea career, Jenny.
1: I think you used the perfect word earlier, my Killer instinct. Killer instinct. I have it written down in all caps. Christian Pulisic, killer instinct. That's like my point being. I love how he played yesterday, and I think that that goes with with confidence. I love that Chelsea is relying upon him. But when you make that comparison to Eden Hazard, I have questions. Obviously, Eden Hazard has been injured a lot. He's had problems coming off a game where he got fouled 11 times, is that a potential risk for him? Obviously, he's already had his injury woes. Is that something where you don't serve him the ball that much and let him be more clinical in a smaller portion of time? I don't know.
0: 100% Jenny. Eden Hazard is absolutely what's happening to his body. And granted, I can't speak for that club's training regimen. He was a a remarkably healthy player at Chelsea. When you consider the beatings Eden Hazard would take, I think outside of his goal scoring record, The biggest part of Eden Hazard's incredible legacy at Chelsea was the fact that you could kind of depend on him game in, game out. And his body went through suffering that no one else did on that Chelsea club. But you look at Eden Hazard. He's kind of built like a tank. He's smaller in frame, but he is filled out. That lower body is like a 1990s running back's body. I'm telling you, (laughs) he's an absolute tank. Christian does not have that frame. He does not have that lower body. He could stand to bulk up a little bit, and I think the speed will still be there. But Eden Hazard is just built different. I know it's cliche, but these are players that are built incredibly different. And I don't think Christian can—I don't think that's sustainable, to answer your question, which is why I would like to give him a, a game off here against Manchester City. Eden Hazard could take it, and now we're seeing it catch up to him at an age that is kind of bumming all of us out because we want to see him succeed. But I don't think Christian can take that. Very few can. And Nazard was an unprecedented player in that respect at that size.
1: Leads me to my next question. Mike, you are a huge fan. Sorry to leave you out of this one, Chris. I know you know all yeah, of them fun. as well. But it's just because he is such a big Chelsea fan that I, I want the excitement aspect. I keep seeing these 2012 comparisons. And I'd like to know if you can name them all that they've been made. Um, what are the twenty twelve no, no, comparisons?
2: No. Not only can he name them all, he created them. Like every yeah. every weekend
0: in our in our in our group text, I've been he's aggregated. Like, 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 yes, he has been <laughs> aggregated on this. As soon as the draw came out, I was like, oh. Portuguese in the quarterfinals, Spanish giant in the semifinal, kind of uh, hovering around fifth place, outside looking in for much of the season in European position, loss to West Brom. There are 2012 <laughs> vibes all over this club. Fire the manager, replacement manager comes in. The vibes are there. The only, inc- and this difference cannot be overlooked. And it's truly amazing that Chelsea find themselves here with such a young team. I know Ole's over there bringing the, the weighted average down a little bit. But that Chelsea team in 2012, for those that aren't familiar, they were looked at as, that was the outlier team. They, it seemed as though the ship came and sailed for that Chelsea unit that they were past their prime, and that was their very absolute chance. No one even saw the w- the window opening up as much as it did for them in 2012. They did a hell of a lot of suffering in that competition. Again, I'm not going to get dragged into 2009 Barcelona. We r- erase all those in 2012. <laughs> but this team is just getting started. And when you look at that nucleus of 2012, they built what is now a record for appearances in the semifinal. They'd done all that suffering, and hopefully this nucleus doesn't have to suffer as much. They're getting at to the semifinal stage very early in their career. And once you have that established success and you've established yourself as, no, we're a knockout competition club, that's something that that can be built within your culture. And Chelsea's culture, I'd stack their culture up against any other club's in the world. And the fact that they're doing this right now, so young, incredibly impressive.
2: Yeah, you look at that forward line, and Thomas Tuchel actually mentioned it after the game just in terms of we weren't clinical in finishing our chances, but look, this is a Champions League quarterfinal. These players have never been here before. Kai Havertz, 21, Mason Mount, 22, Christian Pulisic, 22. Like, it is incredible how young these players are. And as you say, kind of the previous run was guys at the end, kind of, of that run and their ability to be playing at the highest level. And I think the encouraging thing for Chelsea is there are a lot of players in this side that are at the beginning I will say though you kind of look at the spine of the team holding midfield Jorginho and Conte have been at it for a while Thiago Silva anchoring that back three Aspilicueta in there as well there's a lot of experience in this team as well so it's kind of that perfect blend
0: yeah that's a Excellent point there, Chris. Where would we be at points this season without Thiago Silva, Cesar Espeliqueta, who if you wanted to have a hipster choice for player of the season, you could put Dave in that conversation just as you could have last year. So many people try to kick this guy out the door, and he's just proven himself to be one of the greatest Premier League defenders of his generation. So versatile. So great shout, giving those guys credit.
1: I heard this stat yesterday. Tell me whether this is completely correct. Chris, you're, you're the step. <laughs> Tuchel was the first manager to take two different teams to the semis in consecutive years.
2: With different clubs as well. And I, I believe he could be the first ever to do taking two different clubs to two, two different finals in consecutive years.
1: Ooh, that's amazing. Impressive. We already give, gave Tuchel his flowers. Um, but I wanted to mention, I know this was a long time ago, but we had a discussion one time when we were on the podcast, when I was on the podcast, about Kai Havertz and him not clicking And obviously now, especially not in the Porto match, but in the match before, he's clicking. One of the things I said is to just feed him the ball. Just give him the chance to mess up. What's going on?
2: I think so. I I think he is getting his opportunities more on the ball, but also there's kind of like this position is working perfectly for him. This false nine, being able to get on the ball more, and he just looks more comfortable. Now, maybe that was always going to happen. No matter what your approach with him was going to be, he was always going to get a chance to demonstrate why he was such a highly touted, highly paid for player with his transfer fee. But I think we've now kind of reached a stage where we are seeing Kai Havertz and his skills come to fruition. I think kind of the next step for him is consistent performance. I thought he was great against Palace, but in the second leg against Porto, struggled to get in the game a little bit. But he's getting there. And, and I think Chelsea fans have to be immensely encouraged that, given how at times he can go wrong for new signings, to see him score a brace against Palace and also have moments where it's like, holy hell, the talent on this guy yeah. uh, was really encouraging.
0: Oh, that touch against Palace. Oh. Uh, that touch pass to himself was incredible. Um, But I will warn you guys, I am a little skeptical. While this is the best answer for Kai Havertz now and the best answer for the club at that false nine position, I don't think this is necessarily sustainable for the player or the club, especially when you consider the rumors out there of who the club are in on. I think when I see the pundits on your Paramount Plus desk over there and they say Chelsea need a true number nine, I still think that's accurate. I think they need someone that they can count on for hold-up play, someone that's more clinical in finishing, because while Kai has been more clinical, there's still room to grow there. I don't think his future with Chelsea is at that number nine position. I'd like to see him as a creative midfield player, and because of circumstances, some out of his control, some within his control, just hasn't been there just yet. I trust the player's talent. I think he can make it work in Chelsea's midfield. But for right now, you got to ride this thing out because it's the best option considering everything that Thomas Succo wants to do with both pressing and setting up some of those players along those wings because Kai Havertz is quite the decent distributor. He does it differently than Olivier Giroud, who actually has a sneaky amount of assists because of the the one-touch game that he has with guys like Christian Pulisic. But Kai Havertz, is pretty brilliant with the ball at his feet when he gets cooking and gets being confident. So I like his creativity from there. All right, Jenny, thank you so much for joining us here on Chelsea Mike Up. We owe you five literal caps. We'll get around to that, hopefully season three. Maybe we'll get Chelsea mic'd up premiums. If not, I'll just give you IOUs at the end of uh, next season. Jenny from uh, Paramount Plus's coverage of UEFA Champions League. And obviously, you can check out Jenny's videos for at Chelsea FC in USA. Always great knowledge nuggets there in breaking down the team. Jenny, always great catching up with you. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me, guys.
2: Get the latest Chelsea news straight to your phone. Download the FitStand app, the official Chelsea app.
0: All right, not to be that guy, but we've done a lot of praising of Chelsea FC in this podcast. Let's talk about the opponents they got coming up, Chris, because these are glamour clubs. We have the Champions League semifinal set against Real Madrid. Believe it or not, this is the first time these two clubs have met since 1998. I guess world football doesn't remember the ICC grand final (laughs) that happened at Hard Rock Stadium. Jenny actually texted me after we were done. was like, so they haven't
2: played since 98 in official competition. I'm like, how dare you besmirch the ICC? I am not having this.
0: I was there for that. It was fireworks. It was Mourinho against Real Madrid. A couple of months removed. It was massive. I can't believe the history books don't recall this. And we also have the FA Cup semifinal in Wembley against Manchester City, a fellow Champions League semifinalist. Congratulations to the Premier League. A good showing outside of... uh, What was that team that didn't... I always heard so much about it. Okay, let's talk about Real Madrid-Chelsea. Now, these two clubs, it's it is an impressive Zad that they haven't met since 1998 because these two clubs have kind of been good since then, right? And uh, really good clubs. And honestly, uh, not to knock this young incarnation of Chelsea FC, we'll find out what their ceiling is together. But you look at years past and you look at Real Madrid as well, and you'd say, curious, this is their first Champions League clash. And it's with clubs that Probably wouldn't have been favored to be here in this spot. That's right. I'm saying these aren't the best Chelsea and Real Madrid teams of this generation, but here they are just this semifinal away from a magical run to a final when nobody would have had them. And Buku storylines here, Chris Whittingham, Kovacic, Hazard, Courtois, won't get into that one. Benzema, Giroud, certainly don't want to get into that one, but (laughs) if you look at the original injury timetable, there is a chance Eden Hazard makes his return into the squad in time for the semifinal. A lot of Chelsea fans, myself included, are going to feel real conflicted seeing Eden Hazard out there playing for Real Madrid. Thibaut Courtois, not so much a conflict there. They left under different circumstances. (laughs) But credit to the player, Thibaut Courtois, because he reshaped himself. He really struggled that first year at Real Madrid. Now, one of the better goalkeepers. As the game evolved, he evolved with it. He was very good against Liverpool. He's always pretty good against Liverpool. This is an improbable run. I know it's Real Madrid, but they were not expected to be here. They really turned things around. Zinedine Zidane. I mean, what a career this guy's had. His success as a manager may somehow surpass his success as a player. Think about that. How have they done this? Well, I mean, you have to
2: remember that going all the way back to match day six in the group stage... They were pretty well up against it. There was a thought that Borussia Mönchengladbach or Shakhtar Donetsk can get into the Champions League knockout rounds ahead of them. They had to win on the final group stage day, and it just seems as though the pattern under full Zidane seasons is first half of the year, not so good, second half of the year – unplayable. And it's been that way in their runs to multiple Champions League finals. It was that way coming out of lockdown when they went on an absolute tear to win La Liga going away a year ago. And now it seems though Real Madrid is peaking at the right time once again. And you kind of mentioned how this isn't the best version of Real Madrid. It is in terms of who the players are, but they aren't their best selves because they're mostly advanced in age. It's still Benzema. Kroos, Modric, if he's healthy, Sergio Ramos. Like, There's so many players that have been with this Real Madrid side for so long that are in their late 20s, early 30s, and yet are still managing to find these performances in the Champions League. And as you mentioned, haven't played since 98. That was a Super Cup match. These two teams have never played in the Champions League proper, which, given their history of success in this competition, is incredible.
0: Chelsea are going to lean on the experienced players in this match, uh, I assume. You you were right to call out guys like Cesar Azpilicueta and Golo Kante. They're going to be massive in this semifinal clash against Real Madrid because there is a wide gulf in terms of the top end players that these teams rely on a wide gulf of experience and and repute these are players for Chelsea that are still trying to carve out their name in the world's game they're sending players these are players that they're facing that will seize on any mistake you make you have to be perfect that is Real Madrid yeah I mean it the stakes don't get higher than this and the country of Spain has been a pretty good host to Chelsea so far this year. So we keep that going. <laughs> the 2012 uh, vibes continue. Let's turn our attention to a massive FA Cup semi-final. A very tough draw. I cannot tell you how envious I am of seeing the other half of the bracket right now. Leicester, Southampton, that looks like a proverbial picnic compared to what Chelsea and Manchester City have going. We bandied about the idea of a rotation for Chelsea in this game, keeping Christian Pulisic's legs a little bit fresher. But now he seems to be in a bit of a rhythm. You know Manchester City quite well. What do you expect out of their squad entering this FA Cup semi-final at Wembley. I
2: would actually say it's somewhere in between because in between the first and the second leg of their quarterfinal tie against Dortmund, I believe they made nine changes to their starting lineup. Gave Nathan Ake his first start in forever and they ended up losing to Leeds United uh, on a late goal uh, scored by Stuart Dallas. So I don't know if Pep is going to quite go that far because one of the things that we've seen from him is that he takes domestic cups very seriously. Like the lineups that he puts out on the Carabao are stronger than most any other clubs in, in England. So... I do think this will be a few changes, but I still think he'll want to pick his best side and actually continue to rotate in the Premier League, which is kind of incredible, uh, given that they are top of the league, but I think they feel pretty comfortable with the margin that they lead by, and so I think it'll be a fairly strong team that they field, and now it kind of comes down to the tactical battle, which is Chelsea are a team that likes to have possession when they're in English football and Europe, I think away from home in particular, they've been a bit more comfortable without it. But when Man City played the Man City style, they keep the ball a lot. So what is Chelsea going to be like when they don't have much of it and they can hit
0: on the counter? The first of a possible three upcoming matchups against Manchester City. You have the FA Cup semi-final, one in the Premier League, and there's a chance you have the all English final between Manchester City and Chelsea FC. Obviously, the Champions League, the great trophy that has eluded Pep Guardiola at Manchester City, they, they run the Carabao when Chelsea aren't holding it. They run the Carabao. <laughs> they, they're doing great. Uh, an outstanding season, a, a bounce back from a very slow start over for Pep Guardiola. And that's saying something, saying that that was a slow start. It was a start just wasn't a Pep start and they're running away with the Premier League. Uh, Surprising result against Leeds United. What weaknesses can Thomas Tuchel and Chelsea attack in this one? Well,
2: when it comes to City, it's always what happens when you get the ball after they've... Turned over possession. I actually thought Borussia Dortmund were pretty good in terms of being able to convert them winning the ball into at least playing out of trouble a little bit. I would say Chelsea probably struggled with that both in the quote away games against both Atleti and against Porto. So it'd be curious if they can find a bit more of that rhythm because if you can find three or four passes, And you get the Man City defense backing off. They look so vulnerable. And even though Ruben Diaz has come in and really strengthened that team, and they look a lot better defensively than they have even under Pep Guardiola, they at times can look vulnerable. John Stones is always one mistake away. And if you can get running at that defense, there are always going to be chances. But the problem is getting there. Can you have the quality to under really tight pressure? Because Man City squeeze, they press, they make life difficult after they lose possession. Can you have the composure and quality to be able to play out of those spots
0: no disrespect to brighton and hove albion they've played chelsea tough in recent years but obviously when you got 2 semifinals, you gotta prioritize but we'll make our predictions and we'll include the brighton and hove albion game in our predictions let's go three predictions here brought to you by the play predictor game within the chelsea fists and dap i'm gonna ask for an fa cup semi-final prediction your brighton and hove albion prediction and of course who you might favor In the Champions League semifinal clashes between Real Madrid and Chelsea. Who's going through to the final? We begin with you, Chris, because I was more right than you the last time we did this, so... Give me your FA Cup semifinal prediction.
2: Yeah, I, feel, I felt like such an idiot after I predicted a draw against Crystal Palace and 10 minutes into the into the game. It's like, well, that's not going to happen. So for the Man City tie, I think Man City are going to go through to the final. I mentioned their priority of domestic competitions. I think from a cup standpoint, they will probably give this more of a go than I think Chelsea will just because they still have so much to play for in the league. They still have this semifinal. And I th- just think in terms of balancing priorities – I think this kind of has to be third right now, and I know that's harsh to say because Chelsea love winning trophies, and ultimately this is the trophy that they can probably most win right now, but at the same time, I think that Man City will come away with it. I'll go for two goals to one in that one. In terms of the Brighton match, I think that's going to be a really tough game. Brighton have been a, a, a tough go at times, so I'm going to say 2-1 as well, but to Chelsea, and then in this semifinal in the Champions League against Real Madrid, I think this is going to penalties. Wow. After 180 minutes, it'll wow. finish 2-2, between the two sides, level on away goals, and we'll go to penalties.
0: I don't know if my heart can take that, Chris. (laughs) I I don't know. But in this FA Cup semifinal, I expect some squad rotation. And we did have a guest on this show this season, and it was Olivier Giroud, and he loves tending to that Mm. garden at Wembley. I would love to see Olivier Giroud feature against Manchester City, get that start. Maybe a spot for Tammy Abraham. I, I think... Timo Werner, obviously more fresh legs now. So I'm very curious to see what the starting 11s are. I think if there is a more rotational squad from both these sides, the advantage goes to Chelsea because I believe in their squad rotation a bit more. I think there's a wider drop off. From the elite starting 11 that Manchester City have. Then when they start rotating, no offense, Nathan Ake, I rate you. It's just, it's just <laughs> the reality of the situation. And a mad respect to Zach Seven, Two Americans in the FA Cup semifinal and in the Champions League semifinal. Maybe we see CP10 score against Zach Seven. Who knows? But I've got this one going to Chelsea in penalties Ooh. in the FA Cup semifinal. Nice. I've got Chelsea in an ugly one. 1-0 over Brighton and Hove Albion. And... Chris, I'm going to surprise you. I think this, for me, is the destination. The Champions League semifinal, being able to say I'm one of the top four teams in this competition is a dream season. It's been great. I have you know how much I respect Real Madrid, outside of Chelsea and Roma, which I've named my dog after. That's my <laughs> team in Spain. Every Yale oh I'm rooting for Los Blancos, and I love and Hazard, I'll leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I think that the experience is going to be a big factor in this one i think chelsea have survived some mistakes i don't think they can survive that against a potent goal scorer like Kyron benzema and these players that have just been there so i think we'll learn a tough lesson maybe in this game and be better in these two games and be better for it so i have real madrid going by three to one the full aggregate That'll be an exciting second leg, though, Chris. I think we're not going to learn a lot. I think these two teams will feel each other out in that first leg, and it will come down to the second.
2: Just a couple of bits on on, on both of these games. For me, when it comes to Real, the most important thing from a Chelsea perspective is not giving away easy goals. Real Madrid love profiting off of easy goals in the Champions League. Chelsea have not given too many of them away. There was that minor moment with Mendy and Porto tie. That cannot happen against Real Madrid. They will pounce. And the other thing, as it relates to the FA Cup semifinal, I'll be curious because in the Palace match, one of the details that we didn't get to was that when Mason when Tuchel was making changes, Mason Mount actually was playing in deeper midfield for like the last half hour of the game. I, I actually that. think that was a trial run for this Man City tie. I don't think Thomas Tuchel wants to start N'Golo Conte again, and I think that maybe he's not ready to put Billy Gilmore in that role next to Jorginho. So I actually go for like a very specific prediction of Jorginho and Mount as the holding two in the shape against Man City on Saturday.
0: I like that prediction. We're awaiting some clarity on the severity of the knock that Kovacic is dealing with. I'd say it'd be a surprise at this point if he did feature in that starting 11. So I did take notice of Mason Mount uh, playing a deeper midfield role and I kind of dug it. Mm -hmm. So two managers that like their squad rotation. will be curious to see what happens, what goes down at Olivia Giroud's garden. <laughs> Till we speak again, everybody, thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you to Jenny Chu. Thank you to Chelsea FC. I mean, second season. We're in the Champions League semifinal. This is amazing. Please subscribe, rate, and review. That is our currency here. We do this for free for you, so please reward us with a subscription. Till we speak again, up the Chels.